it is the immovable thing on which the individual trusts and prances and plays out the drama of his mortal life. Without that stage, there would be no drama and no action. The word karma in the eighth chapter is used in a very special sense. The force that causes the emanation of things is said to be karma. It is the power of the Lord which ejects all particulars. All the little individual karmas or actions that we perform here are a reverberation or refraction of this cosmic impulse for the sake of the great universal purpose. This is the other secret of karma. All action is in the end a universal action. It is not my action or your action. Every ripple on the crest of the wave is nothing but the work of the ocean, though the wave may claim it to be its own particular handiwork. Every breath that we breathe is nothing but the cosmic breath. Our intelligence is a faint reflection of cosmic intelligence. Our very existence is part and parcel of the universal existence. This is the great secret behind the law of karma and only by thoroughly assimilating this knowledge can we become karma yogi. Only when we consciously and willingly accept the fact that we are but mere instruments in the movement of the great universal karma can we give up our egos and our personal desires and thus become fit to be called karma yogi. Adibhoda is the result of all mutable becoming. It is the world of physical nature, the world of our gross physical experience, the world of elements. Adideva is the Purusha or cosmic person, the soul in nature, the secret being who observes and enjoys the Adibhuta or becomings of his nature as worked out by his karma. How does this Adideva affect us? Any experience of the individual Jiva of the Adibhuta or world of nature is not possible without a transcendental being involved. That element is the Adideva, the divinity that shapes our end, which controls our destiny and is the de deciding factor in everything. As has been mentioned before, 
the fruits of any action are not in our hands, but are decided by some other factor. This factor is the Adi Deva. By Adi Yetnya, Krishna means himself, the Purushottama, the removal of the feeling of the limited individuality by sacrificing desire in the fire of knowledge is Adiyatya. In fact, it is the Lord Himself who is present as the Adhyatma, Adiyatya, and Adideva in the body and as Adi Buddha outside it. So to sum up, first there is Brahman, the highest immutable self-existence behind the play of cosmic nature in time, space and causality. Because of it, these things proceed, but of itself it does nothing, determines nothing. It is impartial and equal, and though supporting, does not select or originate. What then originates and determines? It is the swabhava or self-existent nature of the Supreme Purushottama, which governs karma and gives the divine impulse to actively unroll the canvas of cosmic becoming out of the eternal being into the field of time and space. This Swabhava is the nature of the Jiva or embodied soul. It is the inherent truth and principle of divine manifestation in each Jiva which works itself out in various Hence the insistence that action which is to be done as Swadharma should be according to the dictates of our Swabhava or inherent nature, which is the nature of the divine in us. At each level of existence, if left to itself, this Swabhava will propel us to our target. All the change and activity is known as karma, the action or energy of prakriti. All this multifarious forms and changes of nature constitute the Adi Bhuta, which is the object of the soul consciousness. The divine powers of mind and will and intellect are Adideva, and it is the enjoying de deity and the secret witness of nature's play. Possessing at once the calm of the immutable existence as well as the enjoyment of the mutable action, there dwells in man 
the Purushottama or Adiyatma. He is both remote from us in some supreme status, status, but also here in the body of every being, in the heart of man and in nature. There he receives the work of nature as a sacrifice or adiyatna and awaits for the conscious yetna or self-giving of the human soul or jiva at the end of many births. From him this jiva came forth into the play of prakriti. To him this jiva has to return through many existences. Man revolves from world to world in the action of prakriti in her karma. All that he had been determines his present birth. All that he thinks and does in this life up to the very moment of his death determine what he will become in the world beyond and in life to come. If birth is a becoming, death can be a birth into a new becoming. It is certainly not an end. The remaining portion of the eighth chapter is taken up with the answer to Arjuna's last question as to the fate of the soul after death and the way in which a man has to conduct himself at the point of death in order to contact the divine. The phenomenon of death is something which has terrified man from the beginning of his existence on earth. This is because he could never understand it. And what we do not know, we fear. The phenomenon of birth is also inexplicable to us. From where did this little creature come? Where was it before it took existence in the mother's womb? These are questions to which we can find no satisfactory answer. But at least after birth, the creature is visible to our eyes. So his previous invisibility does not worry us. But after death, the whole body on which we set such store disintegrates and this we cannot bear because we do not know the reason for it. Thus we find that in all languages the very word death is considered most inauspicious and we always use some other word to denote the death of a person. We say he has passed away or is no more. 
Arjuna's question was, how are you to be realized by the self-controlled man at the time of death? Arjuna accepts that there is a method in dying as in living. In fact, the method of our dying depends entirely on the method of our living, is Krishna's answer. He who leaves the body remembering me at the end attains me. Of that there is no doubt. At the time of death, the body is abandoned, but the jiva goes on its way. Whatever form of becoming his mind and heart has been fixed on, at the critical moment of his departure from the body, that he must attain, to that he must go, since it is the business of prakriti to work out the jiva's desires through karma. So the jiva who desires to attain to the status of the Purushottama at the end of his earthly existence has got to think of him at the time of death. Whatever we think of deeply in our heart at the time of death shall fructify itself into the form of experience when we leave this world. This is the psychology of rebirth. Death is not a punishment which is meted out by the Creator. It is a natural law. Spiritual evolution begins only with the conscious acceptance of the Supreme Godhead and a deliberate orientation by the jiva of all his actions, both mental and physical and intellectual, towards the supreme reality. Whatever we entertain in our hearts as the dearest of our objectives, that we shall become and that we shall possess. Every desire has to be fulfilled because finally it is connected with the fulfiller of all desires. Whatever we seek shall be given. So think how careful we have to be in our seeking. If we ask for God himself at the time of death, to him we shall go. There is no doubt about it. This sounds an easy matter, but it is not as easy as we think. We cannot live as we like, in a dissolute and evil fashion, and expect to remember God at the time of death. Life is full of the play of samskaras or tendencies 
which are developed by repeated actions. Every action we do, every thought we think, leaves a faint trace in us and build up tendencies in the mind which are known as samskaras. We may not remember every one of our actions in the past, but these samskaras are stored up in our memory and they tend to re reappear when similar situations occur and force us to react in the same way. If we were to keep a diary at the end of the day, it would be impossible to write down every little thing we did or thought. Only a few of the important events would be jotted down. At the end of the month, if one were to write down the events of the month again, most of the daily details of the diary would be forgotten and only some of the outstanding ones would be noted. Important and distinctive actions leave an impression, but others fade away. Though innumerable actions take place, an endless knowledge is acquired, the mind retains very little of it. Out of all these, only a few samskaras remain, and this is our capital. The businessman keeps his daily and monthly and yearly accounts of income and expenditure, and at the end, the accountant checks his accounts and arrives at a single figure which might be either profit or loss. This is also the case with our lives. At the end of our life, a single clear figure remains in the column. This final figure depends entirely on our daily balance sheet. So also the divine on which the mind has to be fixed firmly at the moment of death must have been the one to which the soul of man was at each moment growing during his physical life. The fruit of the tree is nothing but the essence of the whole tree and if our last fruit has to be sweet the whole of our life must also have been free. Our last thought is the cumulative force with which the whole personality is ejected like a rocket out of this physical system towards that which it has consciously directed its thought during the major portion of its temporal life. It would be impossible to think of something at the end if we have not thought of it 
during our earthly existence. Just as butter comes out of milk as its essence, so also our last thought is the cream of our thought in daily life. So the idea that yoga is only for the old and that we can think of God at the end of life just before we die and thus gain the heavenly region is a notion of those who do not know the law of cosmic living. Firstly, we do not know when that last moment will come. It may come today, it may come tomorrow, or it may come fifty years hence. Secondly, what guarantee that we will be able to think of him at the end when we have not practiced thinking of him during our earthly sojourn? If the actor has to remember his lines as he goes on the stage, he has to be practicing them for quite a while before. So also our final ex exit from the world depends entirely on the practice we have put in beforehand. Thus the Lord tells Arjuna, Think of me at all times and fight. Ma manusmara yuddhacha. Thinking thus, you will undoubtedly come to me. There is no saying when the soldier might fall in the battlefield of life. No one can give us a guarantee of the exact date of departure from this life. So the wise soldier is he who thinks of God constantly and thus it will not matter to him at which moment he will be struck down. Therefore does yoga have to be practiced constantly. The Gita is not satisfied with a religion which is reserved for certain days of the calendar. It demands nothing less than the total dedication of our life to him through every moment of our life. It is this thought which he has to enshrine in his heart as the final goal. The law of karma, though strict, is also just. There are no friends or foes for this law. There is no hope of bribing our way to a marvelous future. This is why it is incumbent on all of us to act in tune to, with the great will of God. If we regard our actions as our, as our own personal efforts directed towards the attainment of some personal and selfish end, that action will recoil on us as the fruit and we will have to suffer 
the consequences. If, however, we take our stand on this knowledge that all action is divine action, we become instruments in the hands of the universal power. And then we are no longer agents of the action, but vehicles. At the critical moment of death, the importance of our state of consciousness becomes evident. It is not a deathbed remembrance which is at variance with our usual mode of conduct which is meant here. It is not the usual religious indulgence which makes the deathbed confession an absolution, a passport to heaven even after living a profane and uncharitable life. But it is an undeviating yoga of constant practice alone by which one comes to the divine and supreme Purushottama. Then we are given a description of the Purushottama. He is the self-existent being of whom the knowers of the Vedas speak. He is the supreme goal of the soul's movement in time, which is not a movement at all, but a return to its original status. The supreme Purushottama of the Gita is not an entirely Relationless, relationless, absolute. But he is the seer, creator, and ruler of the world. Kavim Anishasudaram Ghadharam. It is by knowing and loving him as all, Vasudeva Sarvamidhi, that we seek the final release. The Gita describes the last state of the mind of the yogi when he passes away from this life. A motionless mind, a soul armed with the strength of yoga, united with God, with bhakti, the life force drawn up and set between the brows in the seat of mystic vision, the intelligence concentrated on the utterance of the sacred syllable Om, the remembrance of the Supreme, Maam Anusmara. This is the established yogic way of going, a last offering up of the whole being of the yogi to the eternal. But this is only the process. The essential condition is the constant, undeviating memory of the Divine in life, even in a battle. The whole act of living is to be a Nitya Yoga or constant Yoga. The condition to which the soul arrives when it does depart is supracosmic. 
the highest heavens of the cosmic plan are subject to rebirth. But there is no rebirth for the yogi who attains the Purushottama. In order to make the cycle of birth and death clear in the mind, Krishna describes the ancient theory of the cosmic cycle. There is an eternal cycle of alternating periods of cosmic manifestation and non-manifestation called the day and night of Brahma, the Creator. At the coming of day, all manifestations are born into being, and at the coming of night, all vanish into it. Our own days and nights are a reflection of this cosmic event. Next is given a curious thought of early Vedanta, the path by which the yogi who does not want rebirth has to take. Fire, day, the bright fortnight of the moon, and the six months of the northern movement of the sun is the path of light going by which the yogi does not return. Both night, the dark fortnight, and the six months of the sun's movement to the south is the dark path following which the yogi has to return. The path of life implies a gradually ascending movement of the consciousness in the direction of the divine and the other is the opposite path. The psychological fact behind this notion comes from the age of the mystics who saw in every physical phenomenon an effective symbol of the psychological and to trace every action of the inner mind with the outer forms of nature. Light, fire, the sun, etc. are symbols of spiritual energy. Yogic experiences show that in the struggle between the godly and demonic forces in the mind, the former tend to have a natural prevalence in the bright periods of time, the latter in the dark period. Crimes are generally committed during the night, and so on. But as far as we are concerned, the main thing is to notice the way in which Lord Krishna closes the passage. The essential thing is to make the whole being one with the divine, so entirely as to naturally and constantly be fixed in union with him, so as to make the whole of life 
a remembering of God, not merely in meditation and prayer alone, but in action, labor, and battle. The remembrance of the divine should not merely be an occasional act of the mind, but the natural condition of our activity and the very substance of our consciousness. Then the jiva is one with the Purushottama, and all life is a yoga, and the transition from life to death is no longer a terrifying thing, but a beautiful melting into the arms of him who has dominated every moment of our waking thought and figures in every moment of our dreams, from whom we began our life's journey and to whom we have perforced to return. Hari Om Satsang. Om Asadoma Saddamaya Tamasoma Jyotir Gamaya Mrityorma Mritam Gamaya Om Shanti 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 From the unreal lead us to the real, from darkness to light, and from death to immortality. Om Peace, Peace, Yeah.